It was, you must admit, certainly an attention-grabber. Or rather, I suppose I ought to say I certainly was an attention-grabber. It's what I was ordained by the Lord to be, after all. An attention-grabber. Oh, I should probably introduce myself. I am a bush, a simple bush, rooted upon the slope of a mountain you humans have called Sinai for I don't know how many years I've been there. I should say, I was just a simple bush, a shrub, until the day the Lord ordained me, lit me aflame, and used me to grab the attention of a special servant. That servant's name, as you have probably already guessed, was Moses. His story is really more impressive than mine. I am just a bush, after all. Moses was something else, something larger, something he didn't seem to be, not at first, anyway. Moses was born a slave, born into the family of Hebrew slaves who toiled under the yoke of the Pharaoh of Egypt. They made bricks, those Hebrew slaves. They built temples and palaces. They did a lot of laboring. They did a lot of suffering. They did a lot of dying. They were slaves, after all. Simple slaves. And that's what slaves do. Until the Lord ordained me, lit me aflame, and then, through me, ordained Moses, and lit him aflame as well, figuratively at least, with a special mission. And the mission? Well, it seems that those Hebrew slaves were more than they appeared. In the same way, I suppose that I ended up being more than I appeared. And the same way that Moses ended up being more than he at first appeared. For they too had been ordained by God. No, more than that. They had been chosen Chosen to be God's special people. Chosen to fulfill God's special plan. Moses, through a set of coincidences too perfect to have been ordered by anyone but the Lord himself, had avoided slavery, you see, and had been raised in the house of the Pharaoh himself. Trained as a leader, raised as a prince, Moses eventually discovered his true identity committed a murder in defense of the Hebrew slaves, and ran in escape to the wilderness of Sinai. A slave who became a prince, who became a shepherd on the land. And so I was ordained to grab the attention of Moses. I was lit aflame, engulfed in flame, as it were. And through my attention-grabbing flame, the Lord's attention to his suffering people was made known. Through a flame. God has that habit of using flame as an attention-grabber. There are, of course, the bright, all-consuming flames of hell. Flames that, I am sure, occupy the human attention during a season like Lent. I am told that this particular Lent, you are looking at the life-giving tree of the cross through the branches of trees such as myself. And I wonder what that might look like from your perspective. As you look through my branches, 
Do you not see the cross engulfed in flame? And might you not ask the question, Are these like the flames of hell? Flickering, burning, crackling, but not consuming, not coming to an end. Seeing the cross engulfed in flames, perhaps you are drawn to comprehend what your Lord Jesus Christ endured there. The suffering of the damned. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried. And isn't that the great torment of hell? Being God forsaken. Literally. And hell's fiery suffering brings to mind another attention-grabbing flame used by the Lord. It harkens back to the very first tree in the story, the one that had ushered sin into the world, Adam and Eve's disobedience. It might remind you of where that sin led and where it leads. What Adam and Eve saw engulfed in flame was a sword wielded by angelic cherubim, Whatever God might have in store for his people in the future, for now is viewed through flames. You might remember that Abraham carried fire with him, along with wood for the sacrifice, when he took his son, his only son Isaac, whom he loved, up Mount Moriah to offer him to the Lord as God commanded. The fire was prepared, the knife was ready, when a voice cried out, Wait, Abraham, I am here. And another sacrifice, a substitute, a ram caught in the thicket, was given to the flames instead. For Moses, kneeling before me, it was the flames of slavery, the fiery flick of the whip, the scorching sun under which God's people labored. But just as I, a simple bush, ordained by God to grab Moses' attention, was not consumed, just as young Isaac was not allowed to be consumed, neither would God allow his people to be. He had heard their cries and was coming to help them. I am here was the message I helped to bring. I am here. Watch me work for you and set you free. Shortly after my work was done, God's work involved a pillar of fire to lead his people out of slavery across the Red Sea and eventually back to Mount Sinai, where then the entire mountain was crowned with cloud and flame. There God's law was proclaimed in such way that it has been burned into the hearts of the faithful forever. Underscored by the flames on the altar of sacrifice in the tabernacle. Later, those flames would take residence in the temple on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, capital of the promised land. From Mount Moriah to Mount Sinai to Mount Zion. Flames, consuming flames, liberating flames, signified God's ongoing assurance. I am here. I am with you. 
When correction was needed, the Lord God provided that in the destruction of Jerusalem, the holy temple in flames, the Babylonian captivity in which God's people were carried away for a while and then returned again from captivity. The legend of the temple flames restored at Hanukkah seems to be looking back on God's saving acts of deliverance in the past and perhaps looking forward to one more manifestation of flame as a sign of God's presence. Isn't that what your festival of Pentecost now celebrates? At the great festival, you find tongues as of fire resting on the heads of Christ's apostles, who are now aflame with a gospel to proclaim, a mission to carry out, a world to ignite with the assurance that in Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead, God had said once more, I am here. See what I have done for you. Indeed, time after time, the Lord has used flame to grab the attention of his faithful people. So now, look through the flames, my flames, and behold the tree, the life-giving tree of the cross on which the salvation of the world was hung. Do I, burning bright in the wilderness, remind you at all of God's great love for his special people? There are times when God's love seems improbable, even impossible. Like me, burning but never destroyed. It should be consumed. God's love should run out of fuel. It should dwindle and eventually die. But it doesn't. Just when the situation may seem hopeless, as hopeless as that faced by the children of Israel in Egyptian slavery, the flame of God's love flickers back to life. I am still here. God says in the midst of the flame, I still care, and I have come to deliver you. The message of the cross is that God is so much here that he was willing to be bound like a slave. He would be the subject to a fate even worse than the ten plagues that descended on ancient Egypt and would himself endure the last and most fearsome, the death of the firstborn son. Your Lord Jesus Christ would be that consumed for his special people, that subject by the flames of hell itself, only to flicker back once more in the Easter miracle. I am here. I am with you. And you will be with me forever in paradise. And that fire still burns, of course. Every time the Lord's Supper is celebrated, you, God's special people, get to see the flames on God's altar once again and hear the assurance, I am here for you. Let those flames grab your attention again this season. Let the altar candles be what a burning bush like myself can be as well, an invitation to behold the life-giving tree of the cross upon which was hung the salvation of the world. Amen.